Hello, welcome back. This is the Struck Podcast, episode six. I'm your co-host, Dan Blewett, and here on the Struck Podcast, we talk about everything lightning protection, aviation, and aerospace tech. And I am here joined remotely by lightning protection expert, Alan Hall. Alan, how are you? Great, Dan. How are you doing? Doing well. So a lot of new things going on this week. I got a new uh, mic on the way, so ordered some uh, new parts for my podcasting setup here. I got this huge like Dr. Octopus um, like at-home setup, which is pretty intense. Yeah. Um, what's going on with you up there? Uh, well, we've been through a couple of snowstorms over the last week. Uh, everybody is still quarantined for the most part. They, they canceled school for the rest of the year. Uh, <laughs> How's everyone feel about that? Not happy. Not happy at all. Uh all the the kids are just missing being with the kids and the teachers are trying to work uh classes through zoom and or other mm-hmm. video formats and, and it's just not the same and so the kids are really struggling with the lack of sort of one-on-one or groups with the teacher interactions um just trying to get homework done the the other thing yeah. they announced is it's all pass fail so the kids don't have grades like they would normally and my daughter's a junior so this is sort of like the year you need grades to start applying to schools and no one's sure and the SATs have been shoved off and it's just everything's in chaos right now um hmm. so that's that's a an unusual twist because I, I didn't think the SAT would get shoved off like that but it it did it got pushed off until into the fall and then uh, the other thing it seems like it's happening is a lot of the colleges and universities are not worrying about SAT scores. So they're just saying apply with what you have, which is hmm. going to be, it's going to be an interesting curve that's just going to be on uh, for the next couple of years to see how that all plays out. We're not going to know, obviously, for several years to see what happens there. But um, kids not going to class all the time and uh, and just know a couple of teachers in different parts of the country and they're having trouble with the kids showing up on the on the video uh, video links, like someone that just don't show up. And what are you going to do? There's really, you can't <laughs> force them to show up, right? So if they're not going to show up, they're not going to show yeah. up. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Because the kids are really missing out on a good opportunity to learn, you know? If you're sitting at home, you might as well be learning something. We'll see. Well, they're probably Googling things, if that's any consolation. <laughs> they're probably I mean, TikToking. TikToking, yeah, YouTubing. Uh, yeah. 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 We're learning how to, I mean, there's so much weird stuff on Instagram, like interesting stuff. I watch little clips of manufacturing and woodworking and like machining. So they're all probably learning lots of useless little things that are just. Those are useful things. Whatever, like, but. you know, what if you get stuck in the woods and you need to whittle yourself a canoe to s- swim downstream, you know, <laughs> where I mean, else are you going to learn that at besides YouTube? Exactly. Exactly. So you've got some news. You're in a new uh, new studio as well. So tell me about your new space. Yeah. So we're moving into a new manufacturing space. Uh, everybody's frantically uh, putting the space up. Uh, we've got contractors coming in individually. So they're kind of coming one at a time for, because of the coronavirus situation. Um, power's in. Uh, plumbing is in. Uh, we're working on carpeting, uh, equipment's coming its way. So everything's coming in. It just uh, delays because of, of sh- ways things are getting shipped and everybody's just tied up and all the truckers are all tied up. So 
it's it's taken a little longer than we thought it was going to take but it's actually coming together quite nicely and as part of the move i actually have a podcast space which is super <laughs> because i've been wanting to do that yeah. for the last couple of months i've been waiting to get in here so we're going to make some changes too and we'll probably have your setup quite honestly we'll have your setup of equipment yeah. in here and yeah it'd be nice finally yeah, it's it's it takes some doing, but it's definitely nice to just be able to kind of like hit a couple buttons and just and reach go. from where you're sitting and just be ready to go. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's every every little kid's podcasting dream, of course. <laughs> which is which is funny that I say that because podcasting is such a ubiquitous thing now that there might be little kids that want to be podcasters when they grow up. Isn't that a weird thing to think about? Oh, but I think there are, I, I think mean, there are a lot of them. Yeah, it's ra- it's radio now. It's so. exactly radio. Ra- radio has died a slow death, and everything has either gone to satellite or gone on to podcasting. Yeah, yeah. I haven't listened to radio in so long. I mean, like, why would I? Like, who would listen to radio? I mean, yeah, you there's don't still have some to. merits, but yeah, sit through commercials and they're yeah. curating music for you. But it's, you're in a civilization. It, you're in a big. You're in a big area where there's a lot of. Uh, radio stations Washington DC there's a plethora of radio stations where we are there's one that's close by you can actually get and you can only get it if you're in the valley of which the antenna is so there's yeah. there's not a lot of uh, there's not a lot of radio stations to choose from and even that that one is is struggling uh because mm-hmm. people don't listen to it anymore yeah podcast yeah it's the way to go that's the way to go. So in today's episode, we're going to talk about a bunch of different things. We're going to talk about inerting systems yeah. a little bit, um, some of the things that Parker Aerospace is doing. Um, and we're also going to talk about a little about lighter aircraft, so some of the things that Cirrus and Pilatus are doing. So they've got some interesting stuff, and I'm curious about some of their lightning protection and how, how it changes from jet to turboprop and also large like commercial aircraft to small, um, you know, more like personal private jet kind of aircraft. So. Yeah. Um, let's start with Parker. So obviously, you know, we've mentioned in, in past episodes, and I'm sure we'll continue to talk about this, but the, uh, the fascinating inerting system, which is not fascinating maybe to you because this is like things you've been doing for many, many years, but I don't think most people as they fly in a commercial airliner realize that there's this system that's pumping inert gas into the, uh, fuel tanks as they empty to keep them safe. Like that's yeah. a crazy, that's like a kind of a mind blowing thing. Yeah. Um, for someone on the outside, but tell us a little bit about Parker, what they're doing, and, and how some of those inerting systems work. Yeah, so Parker uh, has had developed inerting systems a long time ago for for military aircraft back in the 1970s, early 80s is when I I think that was first developed. And the if you think about um, a wing as being a fuel tank in your car, it's exactly how it is. Now it's it's sort of integral with the structure, so the wing structure is the tank there's no separate structure inside the wing to hold fuel for the most part uh, so the, the the rivets you see on the outside of the wing penetrate into the inside and then there's just fuel right behind it so mm-hmm. it's just the lightest solution to to load fuel well as you burn off fuel you have this this airspace uh, above the fuel and f- as you slosh around fuel and depending on temperature you've got fuel vapor up in there and if it, the conditions are just right it tends to be above 75 80 degrees and certain pressure thresholds that vapor is flammable so any kind of small spark could in theory light off that that fuel vapor and when you ignite any sort of gases fuel like that it wants to expand rapidly so what 
in theory, would happen if it did ignite. It would it overpressure the wing structure and break the wing structure, and and that would be catastrophic. Uh, so the the Parker Aerospace System, which is really ingenious, quite honestly, it, 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 what it does is it takes bleed air from the engine. So there's the engine, the jet engine spool. There, there's compressed air that's forced into the engine essentially. Um, it's the same air that pressurizes the cabin. So as you're sitting in your a320 or 737 or bigger aircraft what what you'll and you, you know you're flying at, at a theoretical i think it's 8,000 feet is what it feels like inside the cabin mm-hmm. they're actually taking air from the engines and pushing that into the cabin to pressurize the cabin well they take some of that air and they shove it through a filter so they take that that air and that air is mostly nitrogen it's like 80 20 nitrogen to oxygen is about 20 percent oxygen in the air they put it through a filter no moving parts just a, think of it just as a filter and the nitrogen molecules tend to go one way and the oxygen molecules go the other and then what they do is they take the oxygen they're just going to dump it overboard and they take the nitrogen rich air and shove that into the fuel tank and what that does is it basically forces the vapor out and makes it such that the the vapor that does exist there won't ignite Hmm. And it's a beautiful system because it involves essentially no moving parts. So it's extremely reliable. And it's, it's, a, it's a very simple conceptual system, but it's also functionally very, uh, very simple too. And it's, it's, a, it's been honed over time such that the units have gotten smaller and more efficient. And we know a lot more about fuels, quite honestly, and, and how to mm-hmm. integrate the thing onto the, in, onto the airplane. Um, so the... The, the Parker system, and, it, and there's usually two big names with it, OBIGS, which is onboard uh, inerting gas system, and then the other one was air separation module. So the air separation module is a place where the, the air is separated into the oxygen and nitrogen. Uh, those, the, that's the, the key feature to the whole thing is that air separation module. And it, you can actually watch on, on YouTube. They actually show you how they make that. It's a bunch of very fine uh, fibers that are shoved into a canister, essentially, and they just push air through it. It's brilliant. And it's totally changed the way um, we address fuel tank safety because it adds a whole level, another level of safety on fuel tanks. And after the TWA-800 um, in-flight, uh, explosion of the 747 back in 1996 i think that's when it was yeah i think that's right right 96 right it was off is going from i think in new york to europe if i remember correctly and they had just yep. left mm-hmm. newark or jfk or LaGuardia, one of those airports on the east coast and was heading off and it it um it had a some sort of an arc in the in the fuel tank they think and it exploded and it it just in that accident totally changed the way we thought about fuel tanks and just from then on out the the rules change such that we have to assume uh, uh, there is ignitable vapor in the tank we have to treat it like that and we were going to put an inerting system to get rid of it and on the same hand on the same uh, token we also want to eliminate all potential spark sources in the tank and we do analysis to show that we don't have spark sources and that those spark sources uh, there's there's protection features actually two levels of protection features before you could get to a spark source so a lot has changed and that Parker system has really made aircraft substantially safer than they ever have been this is the safest era of flight 
that has ever existed. And it's probably one of the safest modes of transportation that has ever existed uh, with these fuel inerting systems and all the advanced features on our aircraft today. It's, it does make aircraft way safer than they have been in the past. Yeah, it's a really interesting concept because, uh, you know, I, I used to work on cars just as like, a, you know, a hobbyist mechanic when I was, a, you know, in high school. And, you know, you start to think of how to tune your car and to obviously to get more horsepower out of your car. And I had a 67 Bronco. You're trying to find ways to inject more oxygen yeah. into the, you know, into, into each cylinder so that then, you know, the carburetor and, and I guess now it's the electronic, you know, fuel injection systems, they will then up the amount of gasoline that they're going to pump into there so they have to you know obviously everyone knows that cars operate efficiently when they have the right fuel air mixture right um and here we are using that same thought process to keep you know fuel it works from in reverse. combusting yeah, yeah it works, it works in, in reverse, reverse exactly right? we're gonna take the oxygen away from it and, and starve it yeah 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 it's a, it's a it's a clever system so um we're gonna segue a little bit into smaller aircraft but my first question there is do is this only a feature that large commercial aircraft have or do some of these smaller planes like we're going to talk about cirrus and pilatus do they have systems like this or is it not a big enough deal for them or what's the story with small aircraft and inerting depends on what the wing is made out of for the most part and whether they have separate fuel tanks that could be empty over time uh, so fuselage fuselage fuel tanks so sometimes the the the, the tanks are broken up into sections um, so if they have it, and, and the issue with the 747, the TW800 was it had what they call center fuel tanks. So there are fuel tanks along the fuselage, underneath the fuselage, that typically ran empty. And then the wing tanks are usually full. It has to do with weight and balance and a lot of different things there. But mm-hmm. So um, smaller aircraft don't tend to have compartmentalized fuel tanks. There's on a business jet, it's t- it tends to be left wing, right wing, and then sometimes there's a there's a a fuel tank behind the pressure vessel uh, in the back end that tends to be a, a very common setup for business jets um, if if you think about it it has to do with temperature and uh, sort of history combined with it on a metal wing airplane the fuel gets cold soaked pretty quickly so there's not a lot of heat in it and you need heat uh, to create the vapor on a composite airplane made out of you know, carbon fiber, fiberglass, whatever you want to make, out of the, make the wing out of it, the heat transfer out of that is not nearly as good. So as the engine turns, uh, it's actually putting hot fuel back into the, into the fuel tank, and that hot fuel can create, eventually create vapor. So the temperature, the temperature rise inside of a composite wing is higher, and it tends to stay around longer. And a, and a metal wing where the airflow is co- going over the aluminum wing all the time, it tends to cold soak mm-hmm. it and keep it where it's not flammable. So it depends on what, um, it, so there's two pieces to it. One, depends on where the fuel tank is. And two, uh, what the main wing is made out of. Is it metal or is it carbon fiber? That determines whether you're going to have an inerting system. So when I worked on the Lear 85 for Bombardier in, in uh, Wichita, we had an it was a composite wing carbon fiber wing and we had an inerting system in it and i think the same thing exists on the a220 which was the bombardier c series it also has a carbon fiber wing and i I do believe it has a a parker inerting system inside of it Um, so it it really depends on the configuration so metal airplanes don't tend business jets don't tend to have that Uh, bigger airplanes with center fuel tanks tend to have inerting systems in them yeah so quick question about that so you know, when you're designing a new aircraft, 
You know, you have a bunch of smart men and women in a room and you're discussing, okay, here's the wing. What do we do? What do we put in this, you know, to keep this fuel system safe? Do we need an inertia system or don't mm-hmm. we? Um, you're making all these decisions with a plane that's never flown. So right. how do you know that? I mean, I, obviously there's a lot of people involved and yep. checks and balances. and But how do you know that that was the right decision? Like your plane doesn't go up and just blow up. Uh, so the regulations for that are very specific. Uh, there's a rule uh, 25.981 that's very specific about the requirements for inerting systems. And there's a there's a, a number of advisory circulars that go along with it and guidance material. And there was a, a ton of effort of publications after the TWA 800 which so the the publications tied with advisory circulars tied with the rule tell you whether if you need an earning system whether it's required or not now there's also the trade-off of the marketing part of that which is you may not need it by regulation but do you want to put it on there because it's a safety feature that's when it gets a little more murky because a lot of aircraft have them and a lot of bigger aircraft have them do i put it on my larger business jet that's a good question uh, it's hard because you're going to trade the, the trade-off is you're going to add the system. There's obviously complexity to a system, regardless if, if, if the, the Parker system is very the most simplistic operational system you can install. Uh, but, you know, like there's things in a bit that could fail over time. And then the added weight. What do you want to add the weight to the aircraft versus the probability? That's the, that's always the trade-off. So yeah, you you have you look around the room. You say, can we afford the weight? Can we afford the expense of it versus the the probability that something wrong is going to go is going to happen? That's a trade-off you make. Yep. Gotcha, gotcha. So um, let's let's talk a little bit about uh, some of these specific small aircraft makers. So Pilatus um, spent a bunch of time checking out some of their jets. Mm-hmm. Um, some other turbo props. Yep. So, what are some of the unique things that Pilatus is doing right now? So, the, the Pilatus PC12 was a game changer in a lot of ways. Uh, it's a single engine turboprop airplane. And so, what it did is it took the advantages, and it's a Pratt and Whitney turboprop. They took the advantages of turboprops, which is just extreme high reliability, that they've been flying turboprops since the 50s, probably. And, mm-hmm. and, it's been, and it's just been a constant improvement, 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 improvement. So if you've gone away from two engines like they have on the Beach King Airs or, or yeah, I guess it's Beach now, on the King Airs, which are two turboprop engines to one. And they centerlined it. Um, and the way that the Pilatus, the PC-12 works, it's got a big door in the back so you can actually put a lot of cargo in the back end of it. So you have a high reliability, high efficiency, high load capa- capability, aircraft that's that's a uh, single pilot i believe that's a single pilot yes um, and so it has all these really great features which is you don't have to have two pilots in it you can load it up pretty heavily and it'll go anywhere and what you had seen especially in places where it was cold like up in canada the pc-12 tended to be a very po- or it still is it's still a very popular aircraft so it's replacing twin engine aircraft so it has essentially half the fuel burn but the mm-hmm. reliability is still there. Those, those aircraft just don't break. Uh, and that's key. When you're flying in the wilderness or the, the mountains of Canada, the worst thing that can happen to you is the engine stops. Uh, and the Pilatus has had a tremendous track record there. Um, 
they've transitioned to making the PC-24, which is a twin-engine uh, turbo fan aircraft, very, sim- very similar to a lot of like a Citation kind of airplane. I haven't seen as much about that aircraft. It's kind of coming out at a bad time, obviously, because the economy is in bad shape. But uh, I've only heard good things. The people I know that have actually worked on that program like it. They like the aircraft. Now, how that plays out, timing in an aircraft world can mean everything in terms of success. So if the economy is booming, you get the right airplane at the right time, you can ride that wave, uh, fill your bank account, and then ride out the, down, ride out the downturns. We'll see mm-hmm. how Plata, Plata should have plenty of cash from the PC-12. They've been a very, at least from what I've seen on the outside, they've been a very reliable company. They're always showing up. They're always delivering product. Uh, they seem to be pretty stable. Uh, but the, cl- the the quality also of those aircraft seems to be high. Uh, people I've talked to that operated them or have worked on them like them. So they've done a pretty good job from not being a, a very large aircraft company. They've done a very good job of delivering a very high-quality product. So what are some of the challenges um, for Pilatus? And this is not obviously exclusive to Pilatus yeah. in any any means, but also Cirrus and some of these other small aircraft. But yep. what's what do they have to do to protect um, a small aircraft from lightning strikes? Well, the Pilatus is mostly aluminum. Uh, some of the Cirrus, like the Cirrus uh, SR-22 type airplanes, SR-20s, are fiberglass. Uh, totally different animals in terms of lightning protection. Uh, the, 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 the Cirrus has uh, expanded metal foil on portions of the aircraft if I remember correctly i think there's pathways it isn't like the whole aircraft is covered in foil um, so they provide pathways for lightning to travel down this these foils and this internal metal structure that they have built into the aircraft uh, pilatus is essentially a metal airplane uh, so there's not a lot of things done there because it's it's in, sort of inherently safe it has it's probably as good as it's ever going to get so that the, the design philosophies about those two aircraft are completely different now uh, you're going to spend a lot more time and a lot more money and a lot more energy on a cirrus type aircraft getting it certified and you know, like their new vision jet which is a beautiful aircraft um, mm-hmm. And it's also a composite airplane. Uh, I'm sure they spend a good bit of time and money trying to get that thing certified. Um, whereas, you know, if you're going to go off and certify a basically a, a Cessna 172, 152 type metal airplane, it would be a lot easier to do. Yeah. So, so does the the shape of because obviously on a commercial jet, you know, the the nose radome is composite, so that mm-hmm. needs a lot of protection, yep. but. What, what about the, the nose of these aircraft? Do they have a lot of uh, radar equipment in there? Do they have none? Like what's, and obviously the, the more steeply cone-shaped they are, that's gonna affect the charging, isn't it? Yeah, like the PC-24 has got a uh, pointed nose radar on it. It, 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 it. it all involves the expense of the aircraft and how fast it flies, how far it's gonna fly, whether you end up having a weather radar or not. Now Garmin's made a, a very small weather radar that they can put in a lot of different places that's unique um so it's actually giving a smaller aircraft the ability to have a radar which probably they couldn't have had before and there's a lot of um sort of wireless radar systems are just pulling off data and it's displaying on a radar display so it's not live it's just data like we would watch on television watch on the weather channel it's just kind of displayed on on some flight systems there um but the 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 radomes for like the pc uh 24 are going to get charged a lot is because the airplane's fairly good size, so you're going to see a lot of charging issues. It's going to be a totally different beast from going from a, a, a turboprop PC-12 to a PC-24. Same thing, and same thing for the uh, 
SR-22, Cirrus SR-22 aircraft, which is a propeller-driven aircraft, go into a, a, a vision jet sort of thing where it has a nose radar on it. The lightning, the way lightning attaches to those airplanes, the protection you got to put on the on the radomes is going to be completely different than what they've ever done before. So it's a, it's a new it's a new thing for them. Definitely. And the turboprop engine itself, I mean, is there any issues with lightning? I mean, could lightning hit a propeller? I Gets mean, it all could the time. it go into the engine itself? Yeah. So how does that not? I mean, that seems like crazy risky, but it is. apparently they're very safe. They so. Are. How do they? How do, how do you work that out? Well, the the I'll give you the the King Air example because I worked there for a couple of years. Uh, the King Airs get struck on the props quite often, uh, just because of the at least on the on like the the, the B two hundred um, the three fifty gets a little bit longer nose, and so the nose can take more strikes. But on a lot of those kind of mid mid level uh, turbo props, the the props are the most prominent feature, so the props get struck. And that forces energy through the props into the main part of the engine through the bearings. And it's the bearings that everybody worries about. So you got this huge compressor system that's spinning on these very expensive bearings. You have to go in and and tear the engine apart, inspect the bearings. If the bearings are good, you put them back, but most likely they're not good. So you're going to pull the bearings out, put fresh bearings back in it, put the whole engine back together. So it involves a complete teardown of the engine usually as part of the, the lightning inspection of the aircraft. So you don't want to fly around. Then there's no need for a King Air to be flying around thunderstorms, especially since it has a radar in it. Um, and it's had radar forever. So you should be able to avoid thunderstorms in a King Air. Plus, it's just not fun to fly in. I've been in a lot of King Air. I spent a lot of times in King Airs. And you don't want to be flying around convective activity if you can avoid it. So... Uh, it's expensive when a king air gets struck. It's also bouncy and a little bit scary when that happens. Just being around the thunderstorms, so it's just best to avoid the thunderstorms altogether. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, so let's let's shift a little bit to, to Cirrus. So what's unique about some of their aircraft, and, and what what are they on the cutting edge of right now? Aerodynamics uh, and safety. They've always been there on the aerodynamic side. Uh, yeah, that parachute. That thing is. Oh, that's awesome. That makes yeah. me feel like, oh, I could go fly a plane, maybe, <laughs> as long as I just like can deploy the air, you know, the the, the parachute they've whenever. Had, yeah, and they've had a, quite a number of deployments. I forget what the total number is now, but you you can just go on YouTube and see the deployments because people catch them falling from the sky with the parachute and landing on highways and things of that nature. Um, but the par- the parachute system is one of the early safety features that was in the Cirrus, and it, it, it works on a rocket. It's uh, and that parachute is behind the, the, the passenger area of the aircraft. And there's straps built into the composite structure of the aircraft. So as the, the rocket shoots up and the parach- par- parachute deploys, it pulls these straps out of the, the outer shell of the fuselage, I'll call it. And it ties into the metal framework that's in the middle. And that's, those are the lift points for the, for the aircraft. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just drifts down to earth. That was a, a very early selling point for Cirrus, and I think it really set them apart. Obviously, you're going to eat the weight, and you're going to eat the complexity of having that system. And also, there's some there's some sort of funky legal things you'd worry about, like if someone deployed it improperly or someone pulled the handle and it didn't deploy sort of thing. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot, I'm sure there's a lot of, of detail work going into that system, but it's saved a lot of lives at this point because occasionally a serious pilot will get in the wrong place at the wrong time or will have some sort of medical, can the pilot have a medical condition and, the, you know, a passenger will pull the parachute and land the thing. Uh, it, it essentially destroys the aircraft, but you can walk away from it. 
that's huge and really why does it why does it destroy the aircraft because it's actually pulling parts of the fuselage apart and it's it, 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 it's it, it uses it the landing gear which are always out it uses the landing gear as part of the shock absorption system and the landing gear just can't take the because you're falling at a pretty good rate still with the even with the parachute you're still falling at a pretty good rate so the landing gear kind of gets banged up pretty hard and uh, i and it's just not made to take that those those stresses because it's not necessarily not landing on soft cushiony pillows <laughs> you're probably landing in a very rocky area or a very in a wooded area so the airplane's going to yeah. get beat up as it lands in that yeah and then you gotta throw in the trash that's so sad, that's so <laughs> yeah, sad. Yeah. the most important thing well, about any landing is to be able to walk away not dead yeah well yeah, yeah right a good landing is one you walk away from that's that's the rule and in that well, case that's fair. yeah uh, it's more important at the end of the day that the, the an airplane is a tool and the tool should not kill you hopefully that's part of the way we design them and having the added feature of the parachute system uh, really adds a, a, another level of safety to maybe pilots that don't have that much flight experience and it, it does bring more people into the it, like you said it does bring people into the ability like hey i could fly this cirrus not only does it have advanced avionics it's always had great avionics and a, a very uh, docile handling characteristics but it's also got this added thing like if i screw up as a pilot I'm not going to, uh, you know, kill my family in this thing. We're all going to walk away from it. That adds a level of confidence that it probably makes a lot of sales for them. Unless you consider the aircraft part of your family, in which case it does not walk away. It dies. <laughs> the aircraft is going to die. Yes. Yeah. You have to put your aircraft in a little cardboard box and bury them in the backyard, oh. just like your gerbil. And maybe have a little candlelight vigil and then go watch Netflix. <laughs> watch Netflix. Yeah. And, and be order, order some Chinese. Um, yes. Well, so speaking of which, uh, Cirrus has another super cool safety feature um, on their vision jet. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about their safe return auto land system. So the, the safe uh, auto land system, and everybody's got to go to YouTube and check out this, and we ought to include in the yeah, show it's notes. Yeah, it's an impressive, it's an impressive video for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. extremely well done, and it lays out exactly how the system works, uh, because there's really nothing like it on the market. Uh, and there's a button in the cockpit just behind the cockpit so passengers can touch this button but it's a, essentially a big red button that says land me so you press the button the autopilot takes over and a, that's a garmin uh, airplane so garmin does the avionics for it the system locates the nearest airport puts out the distress code and flies the airplane to the airport lands it stops it on the runway stops the engine and you walk out of it that is a unbelievable engineering feat and to get it certified is even better uh, because there's so much complexity to not having a pilot in the loop first of all you got to know where you're flying to so you could be in the middle of say you're in the middle of the, of the rocky mountains and you punch yeah. this button uh, it, it has to determine a very safe pay, path based on the topology that are, is around you and the weather. I think for, I think it does check weather. Yep, it does. And then it's, so it's finding a, a, a pathway, and then, then it's, it's, it's squawking out a code, which is, hey, I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble, I need emergency services on the ground. And the FAA 
the flight controllers immediately start talking to you because you have an emergency and you go to the top of the list of the priorities. So the airplane just continues to fly, and I, th- I believe it actually tells the, 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 the people in the cabin what's happening. Like It's going to be 10 minutes until we land. It's five minutes until we land, and, and provides yeah. those sort of feedback so they know that something is positive is happening. Uh, and the video was fantastic, which is, it just shows the aircraft and it has a pilot obviously sitting in the left seat with his hands crossed and not touching the controls and people in the back. Uh, and the thing just lands itself on the runway, stops, shuts itself down. Yeah, and that's it. And, yeah. And one of the things that it does on the, um, the instrumentation, which is, you know, all like led panels, you know, it's a, um, it's like, they yeah. switch into passenger mode. So once you hit that button, instead of having the complex avionics showing up there, it switches into passenger mode, so it's just like simple commands, like push this button to talk to, you know, like air traffic control, or it, it, it just switches into layman mode, essentially, which is cool. So you can look at those and get instructions, like you said, and has some simple commands and stuff that you can do as a passenger. So that's, and that's it's a, pretty crazy. Yeah, it, it is, it, because that's a single engine turbofan aircraft. So it's not a twin engine aircraft. It's sort of like the PC-12, but it's a turbo turbo fan it's a quote-unquote jet engine not a propeller airplane um, and if anything were about to happen uh, you know obviously it would take you down to land you yeah so i mean is this the future i mean are we gonna have johnny cab like in the movie total recall where you just stroll up to your plane and adios or is this just going to be for kind of emergencies oh it's totally headed towards automated flight why wouldn't it be if they can if they can if they can, you can be in any place on the planet and have an emergency and it can land you any place on the planet and i think that's that's what it does then why can't it take off and land you they totally can do that they could yeah, then yeah. you could then you could start a ride hailing company called lyft oh man Uber. wouldn't that be good <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, yeah. They, they, they can definitely do that. And I, I, I think the, the goal of all those automated uh, pilot systems is to get the knowledge. And Garmin is, Garmin is a very advanced avionics, electronics company. And they've always been sort of pushing the envelope and what they can deliver to the pilot. And if they can get to that next stage, boy, oh, boy, look out. I, I, I would be shocked, absolutely shocked if they're not working with uh, all the different autonomous flight uh, companies right now, totally shocked if they're not working with them. Yeah. I mean, that seems like, I mean, like you said, it's the direction everything is potentially going. And then when we have flying cars and we have everything's just like the movie Blade Runner, then, you know, life will just be perfect. <laughs> well, you know, Blade just... Runner was not perfect. I don't know if you've seen that movie recently, but that was not yeah. uh, a very uplifting. Into... This is true. This right. is true. Um, but I mean, we get replicants to drive us places, get replicants to pitch us batting practice. I mean, <laughs> then we can be freed up to watch Netflix literally all the time. That's just watch Netflix. That's We're just like laying part of the problem, I think. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> every basically all this technology is just allowing human beings to watch more Netflix. That's that's what it all circles back to. <laughs> it's a genius you know, like, scheme it, that Netflix has, right? Yeah. This is you're right. This is just. This will be uncovered in a decade. It was all Netflix. It's all Netflix, time. yeah. Well, that's possible. Well, which is actually a funny thing to talk about because uh, when we do have more time as people, like when we get this convenience, like I can just hail a cab, I can just hail a plane, 
what do we actually do with our new free time? And we're not going to get into this today, but it's an interesting thing to ponder. You know, it's not like we're going out and, you know, meditating and reading books like we would do 50 years ago. A lot of times we are just like wasting this extra time that we create for ourselves, but it'll be interesting to see how people use, I guess, their time. Like, well, you, think you get about enough. it. Even in our parents' lifetimes, uh, indoor plumbing. That's in my yeah, parents' lifetime. It was a big deal. Right. And think of all the time it saved. Uh, yeah. Dishwashers. Think of all the time that it saved. And we found things to do. <laughs> We've definitely found more things to do. And we definitely make our lives busy. Uh, but if if you think 50, 50 years ago, 70 years ago, uh, yeah. Uh, everything was harder, no cell phones. I mean, everything was just, everything just took more time to do. And so we've simplified a lot of things and, and now we have the ability to do more, uh, extravagant, like launch, launch rockets into space and have them land vertically on a, on a barge in the middle yeah. of the ocean. Right. Uh, I'm not sure that could have been done 20 years ago. Couldn't have been done. You know, every, every, all those time saving features that we've added to ourselves have made some of these other features, other inventions possible. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, for, with, with me not having to wash my dishes, the sky is the limit. Right. It's just the limit. <laughs> Yes. Uh, well, Alan, uh, great episode today. Uh, for all of you out there listening, thanks for being here. Um, cover some cool topics. I mean, like checking out some of these new af- aircraft, which is which is new to me. Like Pilatus's website, super impressive. What Sears is doing, super impressive. Um, especially from an outsider, just like not aware of some of this technology. You know, you've seen all this stuff change over the years, but um, it's pretty. In- it's, it's super interesting. You know, my dad used to fly us a, a small plane uh, back in the. I guess it would have been the 60s and 70s, and I'm sure he'd be blown away by something that could land itself. I mean, he was trying to land them like under, he was flying them under bridges and doing, <laughs> I'm lucky to exist. <laughs> For those of you I, listening here today, I'm, I'm lucky that I exist. My dad flying his plane oh uh, along creek, creek beds and stuff in Oklahoma. So, oh, um, but, but I digress. <laughs> but, um, Alan, uh, Great thanks again for being yeah, here. Thanks, Dan. Yeah. And for all of you, be sure to check us out on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you listen to pla- uh, to, to podcasts. Uh, obviously, we're on YouTube, so definitely check us out for our full video versions and our short clips. So if you're looking for a quick, um, you know, burst of knowledge or just a little topic, you can check out our quick bites uh, on YouTube and just kind of grab what you need and be on your way. So thanks again. Be sure to subscribe and uh, and share with a friend, and we'll catch you here next week on the Struck Podcast. Mm-hmm.